0: What's in your belly? Samuel L. Jackson, the actor who is the face in recent times of this credit card called Capital One credit card, says that if you purchase a certain amount of things during the course of the year, you get 2% back. Then he asks this question, what's in your wallet? My question to you this morning is, what's in your belly? What's in your belly is determined by the activity of your spiritual hypothalamus. You cannot, I propose, authentically praise the Lord if your belly is empty. Question again, so what's in your belly? Now in Junkunu language they use another term, up in your belly when the music hits you. Well, we want to know what it is that is in your belly. Now, I want to draw your attention to the text for this morning in the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verses 7, uh, sorry, chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, with emphasis on chapter 7, verse 38. John, chapter 7 verse 37 through 39. Emphasis on chapter, verse 38. King James, in the language of King James, version of the scriptures, these are the words found in the reference. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirst, Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 39. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus has not yet been glorified. I want to tell you a little bit about this incredible invitation here of Jesus. But I recognize that to do so, to speak about an event, but do not tell you about the context, usually leads to misunderstanding, ambiguity, doubt, and sometimes uncertainty. And to prove that, how many of you remember the reference in Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. Well, if that is true, then what does he say in another place when he says that In the same book, John chapter 6, he said of himself, I am the bread of life. Is he saying that we cannot live by bread alone? And then he says that I am the bread of life. Can we not live without Christ or it must be Christ and something else? Context explains the possible misunderstanding or misinterpretation. That's why it's important to talk about context. So as to avoid any misunderstanding going forward in our time this morning, I want to basically give you an overview of the Gospel of John. John, unlike the synoptic Gospels, had a unique approach because in doing so, he selected special materials to share with us for today. He omitted, for example, genealogy. You will not find the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the book of John. He didn't talk about the birth. He didn't talk about baptism. He didn't talk about temptations of Jesus nor the exercising of demons. He didn't talk about parables or the transfiguration or the institution of the Lord's Supper. He didn't talk about the agony and Gethsemane and the ascension. Instead, John focus on Jesus' ministry in Jerusalem, the Jewish feasts, Jesus' private conversations with individuals, and his preparation for his disciples. Now, I confess right at the beginning here that I am not a connoisseur of a wide range of tastes for foods. In fact, as a child, I don't remember eating eating as a significant part of my life growing up. Some of you, I hear your thoughts. You can see why, eh? Okay. What I do remember is that my stable diet either contained rice, grits, the yellow version or the Caucasian version, <laughs> droppers or dumpling sauce, stew, and the like. Just like I'm not a connoisseur of food, I'm also not a connoisseur of music, but music, it is said, particularly of the gospel of John, that it, in terms of his literature style, that John's gospel have a symphonic structure to it. Now, Brother Anton, where's Brother Glenn? A symphony, I'm told, that is a musical composition having several movements related to the subject but varying in form and execution. Anita, yes, Sister Anita and Sister Shirley would know, and told that it usually begins with a dominant theme into which variations are introduced at intervals. But as Steve and Mike will know, that the variations seem to be developed independently. But as the music is played, they modulate into each other until finally all brought together into a climax. Now, what would to be a disunity in reality is part of the design which is not evident at first, but which appears in the progress of the composition of that particular music. Biblical scholar Tenney says that John's gospel has the clarity of a spring, and yet we are unable to sound the depth of its bottom. I agree with those sentiments. I believe as you read through the gospel, of John, you will find it to be simple and yet intensely profound. Yes, there is lucidity on one end and then there's profundity on the other. There is challenge, there is charm, there's creativity dispersed throughout this amazing gospel. And so let me summarize for you. Once upon a time, while Jesus was staying in Galilee, the Jews, and many Jews, Jews in the Gospel of John, It usually is referring to the religious leaders. Once upon a time, while Jesus was staying in Galilee, the Jews were looking for an opportunity to kill him. Context. Remember now. The Jews were looking for an opportunity to kill Jesus. Jesus was on their hit list. Now, this was about six months after the Passover, at the time when the Jewish Feast of Booth or Tabernacle was at hand. Jesus' half-brothers advised him to go up to Jerusalem and attend the feast so so that his remaining disciples might continue to believe in him. In other words, they were simply saying, you need to get out there in public, promote yourself. However, God the Father had a different plan of exalting or promoting Jesus Christ. We know that process to be the way of the cross. But in response to his brothers, Jesus said that they should go without him, saying that it was not the right time for him to go. Of course, he was alluding to the fact that the opposition, that is the world there in Jerusalem, was awaiting him, but they are the ones there that hated him. Nonetheless, shortly after his brothers left, Jesus himself also left privately, privately for Jerusalem. Now remember, Jesus, of course, was a very controversial figure at the feast. Public opinion versus religious authorities. The public was saying, we like him. Do you remember that's the chapter before, Jesus had healed the man at the pool of Siloam? And of course, the people were amazed. And again, further on in the, the book, you remember him feeding the 5,000? Those are the people who came looking for him. After their belly was full, that felt good. And they followed him, and Jesus disappeared into the mountains, came back down the next day. They said, got in a boat went on the other side of Galilee. And when they woke up and said, he didn't come, they somebody. And I don't know how they figured out. They did not have a cell phone or smartphone. But they found out that Jesus was on the other side, and they got in a the boat. They went over there to find him. And asking him, Jesus said, "You didn't come to hear what I really have to say, did you? In fact, you came because now you put you had in your belly the day before. You're looking for more grocery. I think they were the original totals. <laughs> <clears throat> About the middle of the week of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and started teaching publicly. The Jews there were impressed. They acknowledged that he was indeed very smart theologically, but they were puzzled since he was not one of their students in one of their rabbinical schools. Jesus explained that his knowledge and his teaching came from the one who sent him. Jesus further validated his claim by differentiating between doing God's will and knowing God's will. That's important. Doing God's will and knowing God's will or knowing the truth and obeying the truth. Again, the text says on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly or out of his cavity, out of his abdomen, out of his innermost being, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now the Feast of Booth, or Tabernacle, in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 13, here's what it says. Deuteronomy 16, 13 you shall keep the Feast of Booths seven days, when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and your wine press. By the way, this was the most joyous of all of Israel's feasts or festivals. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 36, we find these words. Leviticus 23, 36. For seven days you shall present food offerings to the Lord, on the 8th day you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord it is a solemn assembly you shall not do any ordinary work Here's the background context all of this is just before we get to the reference text for this morning You see early on each of the 7 mornings of the feast of booths or tabernacle the high priest would lead a procession from the spring fed pool of Siloam to the temple. Another priest would first fill a golden pitcher with water from the pool. He would then carry it through the water gate located on the south side of the temple and into the temple courtyard. There he would ceremoniously pour the water into a silver basin on the west side of the brazen altar from which it would flow through the tube to the base of the altar. Another priest at the same time would also pour the daily drink offering of wine into the different basin. Then they would both pour the water and the wine out before the Lord. The pouring out of the water represents God's provision of water in the wilderness of the past and his provision of refreshment and cleansing in the messianic age. The pouring out of the wine symbolized God's bestowal of his spirit in the last days. Every male that were present would simultaneously shake a little bundle of willow and Middle twig with his right hand and hold a piece of citrus aloft with his left hand. The twigs represented stages of their wilderness journey, marked by different kinds of vegetation, and the citrus fruit symbolized the fruit of the promised land. Many Jews would accompany these priests. Some of them would drink from the pool, while others would just chant Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1, that says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Said another way, it says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, joyously draw water from the spring of salvation. Everyone would also shout three times give thanks to the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, give thanks to the Lord. This was such a happy occasion that the Mishnah stated that he that has never seen joy of the water drawing has never in his life seen joy. Isn't that right, Joy? Amen. On the eighth day, The pouring out of the water was not done, which made Christ's offer of water of eternal life even more startling or striking. The Jewish people had gone through the religious observance, and yet their hearts were not satisfied because they had not truly understood the deep meaning of the feast. And so just before they depart to go to their various homes on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out. Now the fact that Jesus stood to announce his invitation, now normally rabbis, teachers sat when they taught and therefore his standing position, as well as his words, stressed the importance of what he had to say. So when Jesus called out his invitation, he was claiming to be the fulfillment of all that the Feast of Tabernacle anticipated. He announced that he was indeed the one who would provide messianic blessing, that he was in fact the one, the Messiah. Jesus' words compared his own words and his own person to the rock in the wilderness that supplied the needs of the Israelites. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse four, we find these words. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse four. And did not all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Jesus Christ invited them to come to him for spiritual satisfaction, for salvation if you please, by grace alone in Christ alone. His invitation was extended to anyone, if anyone thirst, anyone. If you stutter, like Moses, it includes you. If your clothes don't fit, like David Armour didn't fit, it includes you. If you were ever rejected, it includes you. Mark, John Mark was rejected by Paul. If you have ulcer, it includes you. Timothy had ulcer. If you are a liar, God could use you, not to lie, because he'll change you. Jacob was a liar. If you are too rich, God could use you. It's anyone, Solomon was very rich. If you have bald head like Elisha, God could use you. (laughs) No excuse. If you have long hair, whether it's Remy, I don't know their mother names, from Brazilian, Remy. If it's real or not real, purchased or homegrown, long hair like Samson, God could use you. If you're scared to dead like Peter, God could use you. By the way, I asked a staff once recently, I was asking them in a little powwow to name your affairs. And uh, I said to write it on a piece of paper and pass it forward. And uh, on one of the papers, their fear was they scared to grow old. And then I thought, have they considered the alternative? You know? Now, they had, in my mind, it was just very simple. Either you grow old or you die young. Which one do you want, you know? But since it was anonymous, I didn't call them out. If you are a widow, God could use you too. Naomi was a widow. If you are previously run away from God like Jonah did, you can come back home. God could use you. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. If you think you're too old and say, child, I tired, I've been to. God could use you. He called Abraham when Abraham was 75, his first child when he was 100. So if you're 75, you're in prime shape for God to call you. No excuse Sunday. God could use you. If your Jeremiah was a bullfrog, no, that's a song, right? Yeah, but, but Jeremiah, just joking, but Jeremiah who was depressed and sometimes felt suicidal, God could use you. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This gospel of Jesus is Presenting here, this invitation is universal. There was no one who could not be saved if he or she would simply come to Christ. My invitation to you this morning, because I don't want to take it for granted that everybody seated here has already come and have already taken a drink of Christ. Don't fool yourself. The invitation is still extended. If anyone thirsts, come to Christ and drink. Now, I wish to draw your attention to the surpassing majesty, I call it, and the simplicity of the grace and this incredible grace and invitation given here. But notice the condition. The scripture says, if anyone thirst," Scientists tell us, or say that the human body is two-thirds water. So guess how much I weigh? Don't you try it. Two-thirds water. If the human body is two-thirds. Now, those who go on diet, I'm thinking here. And they said, I, I've been, I think I missed, listened to a program once. And they said, people who go on diet and they go, and then they lose weight, then it comes right back quickly. And they said, but I haven't eaten more or something like that. And maybe all you lost is water, right? Um, that's why when you drank, it came back because uh, according to, again, scientists, when the human body loses about 2% of its water content, whether that water is coming from the cell itself or outside of the cell, intracellular or intracellular, 2%. Once that happens, there is something in your body, in your brain, called a hypothalamus. That's that little small place, and you've never seen it. If you've seen it, I won't talk to you afterwards. especially if you've seen yours, you know. know, um, This hypothalamus is your body monitoring system. It tells your body when you're 2%, when you've lost too much water, and then you say, I'm thirsty. You feel thirsty. The same mechanism, this little small part of the brain controls when you are hungry as well. So that determines when you need to go searching for food. Now, if you would tell the truth, you know when that trigger takes off, it is very difficult for you to focus on something else. Right, Sister Brenda? You know when you are hungry, no matter what people are talking about, the hypothalamus is sending this impulse, this signal to your body saying, go find food, go find food. Or I want something to drink. Why doesn't he hurry up, shut up? Because it's almost lunchtime. I need something to eat. That's the function of the hypothalamus. It says that when it loses 3% of your body's water, then hydration, dehydration sets in, and then you become even more desperate for water. Thirst here speaks of spiritual need in the context. Is your spiritual hypothalamus working? Do you have a sense of need spiritually to drink? Of that which Jesus offers. Unless a person is spiritually, or his spiritual hypothalamus informs him that he is a sinner, he will never want to be saved. Unless his spiritual hypothalamus alerts him that he is lost, he will never desire to be found. Unless one is conscious of a great spiritual lack in his or her own life, he will never want to go to the Lord and have that need supplied. And yet, the Savior invites the thirsting, the thirsting soul to come to him, to come to him, not to the church, not to a preacher, not to baptism, not to the Eucharist or the Lord's table, but to come to him. Whenever you do, there is an amazing activity that takes place in your belly. Again, verse 38 tells us that whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Thomas, Edward, Lawrence, you know him as probably Lawrence of Arabia, World War I, fighting the Turks, Arabs, had some support, Afterwards, being successful, went back to England, took some of the Arabs with him. Of course, in doing so, introduced them to parliamentarians and even the Queen. And then when it was time for them to leave, he asked them, "Um, what kind of souvenir would you like to take? What can I give you to take back to your desert-like living environment? They took him to their hotel, and when they got there took him into the room and then into the restroom or the bathroom and told Lawrence of Arabia, we'd like to have the faucet. The faucet? Yeah, because out of the faucet, we turn it and we get water, we want to take the faucet back to the desert. Of course, we know what that means, Lawrence said, this faucet is connected there's a lot of things behind this faucet. Until it gets to a point where there is a source or a reservoir. Because all of the plumbing and piping to get it here in your tub in this room, what you see is just the end product. When we, as believers, and the recipient of the thirst, the water that Christ offers, we're supposed to understand that it is not so much us, but the one who is indeed the source. And that is Jesus Christ Himself, who will allow us to influence those that are around us. Rivers of living water, living water flowing through you. Rivers suggest to me that there is an abundance, a full supply, and Christians should diffuse in large amount, be liberal and constant in blessing of their fellow men with this river of living water. That is the nature of the Christian piety, it is to be diffuse or diffusive. No man, No man can believe on Jesus who does not desire that others should also believe on Jesus and who will wish to seek him. That the desire is large and liberal, that the Christian desire the salvation of the world. You can't be selfish if you have a river of living water flowing through you. You can't keep that to yourself. You would want to infect, contaminate, you'd want to wet those who are nearby and in the context where you work, you live, you move, where you associate on a daily basis with this living water, this river of living water. That the faith of the believer is to be connected with the influence of the Holy Spirit and that it is the Christian way that is to live day in, day out about this living water, this person of Christ, In other words, the aroma of Christ should influence your every area of your life or every aspect of your life. Do you remember, I'm really from the old school, as they call it. Do you remember when it was okay to say good morning to everybody? Um, Well, when I came to town, that's a different story. Because you meet too many people, depending on what street you went on. But on a family island settlement scenario, the people you meet, you were obligated to say good morning. To everybody good day do you remember when you had to say yes ma'am and yes sir did it matter how old the person was long as you figured out were a little older than you you were supposed to say yes ma'am yes sir and i told you before about the lady who i didn't say good morning to who couldn't move but somehow to get the word to home to my mom before school was out so that by the time i got home mom knew that I didn't say good morning to this lady when I was passing to go to school that particular morning. What about please and thank you? Do you think they still say that? Do you remember when some, a parent asked you something, you could say, yeah? Or when they called you, you could say, what? What? Yeah. Uh, where do you think that came from? You know, um, and yet, if you see any person my age or older who do not have all of their teeth, that may have been the cause in the past. It has nothing to do with any dental caries or decay. It is maybe they said the wrong thing, and parents would have threatened and executed the threat if you didn't say the right thing. It was important then to say thank you you receive something manually, but we were, and I believe, seriously influenced by a neighbor to the north, particularly media, because it's further than the north, because the north is also influenced. But God is indeed holy. Now, we started off this morning by singing, Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Some of you, are you sure you're breathing? Praise Him in the morning. And in the evening, right, when you're laughing, when you're grieving, could you still praise the Lord? Is the the God we serve still worthy of your praise? Doesn't matter what you go through. You can have 10,000 things happen to you. I can give you 10,000 reasons why. How many nerve cells do you have in your body? Now, I know some people sometimes say, my nerve's on me. It's supposed to be in you. But it is on you. And some people have one left, I'm told, and they said, This is my last nerve. Don't get on my last nerve. You've been very careless with your exposure of your last nerve. But God has been great. I think we have, and I say we intentionally because I'm included, taking for granted God's faithfulness to us day in and day out. The fact that you breathe. It is so subconscious. You didn't pause and say, God, thank you for this breath. And you know there are some people who need an artificial machine to cause or help them to breathe. And you, I don't see it. You are here breathing on automatic. And God is blind. That's just one reason. I can multiply that. How many times did you breathe since you were here in the service today? Could you thank Him for the first time you stepped in the door? One. One reason to give thanks. All those other things that are happening, if I'm just thinking bodily, physiologically now, that is taking place in your body that is working. Now, I was going to say those of you could even hear, but some of you have that control thing. You can shut me off and you may not even hear me, so that's another story. But the capacity to hear, that's something to give the Lord thanks for. Those other complicated mechanisms that is going on, God is worthy to be praised. Now, beyond that, because this is physical. Imagine getting a new body. Those of us who have taken the drink before, take the invitation, taken the invitation, and have drank of this one who is indeed the living water himself, the rock. We have been assured that we will get a new body someday. You think that's worthy to thank him ahead of time? I'm told in the song we sang earlier that we will need about, start off at a minimum requirement of 10,000 years to begin to thank him for all that he has already done, not even telling you what he will, what is still future. That is so exciting just to ponder and think about. Well, those persons who went to the worship, who used to go through that routine to the well, or, I mean to the pool and towed water back during the feast of Booth, they used to be excited and shout about it. Why? Because they recognized not only God's holiness and also that the acknowledgment that, and that—that's for us to 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 ponder as well. Just think about how holy God is. At the same time, if you can, think about how sinful you are. And those of you thinking, yeah, I'm not that bad, well, who are you comparing yourself to? When you think about the awesome penalty and consequence of sin, when you think about the magnitude of God's grace, you, you, you must respond in praise. Genuine, authentic praise. It must come, as we say, from your belly. When we're serious, don't people say from your heart, hey? Say, I love you from my heart. They don't pick no other organ. I love you from my kidney. That don't sound romantic, eh? Hey? Yeah. Uh-huh. But that's your core, your innermost being. The worshippers in the temple went in the courtyard and they sang what they call the Hallel, really from Psalm 113 through 18. But here's what it is, and I wish for us to, to, to read it together and join me as I conclude, because I think when you accept the invitation, as we have, most of us probably here today, when Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, embedded in believe, is who will place faith in me. Just as the scripture said, out of your belly, you know, genuine, authentic praise will flow rivers of living water. And it was referring to the Holy Spirit. And you know, the Holy Spirit is intimately woven in all of this. You will not even recognize or accept the fact that you are a sinner unless the Holy Spirit provokes you. It's all the Holy Spirit. And so, once that's happened, the Holy Spirit who lives in you then will continue to—he becomes your spiritual hypothalamus that tells you you need to tell the person next to you, you need to live out the person who you walk with, you associate with, who you, you walk with, you, you, the grocer, the people you run into contact with on a daily basis. Be careful not to do that day in and day out. I told you in the story that the people Jesus was a. The Jew or on the Jews' hit list. They wanted to kill him. People were even asking before, because remember I said Jesus didn't go up with his brothers. He went a few days afterwards. By the way, from, Jew, from Galilee to Jerusalem, how long is that? Because sometimes we read these things, and we do even think about the geography of it. It's a little walk, right? They had no jitney. Thank God for that. I'm not sure they hired a donkey, they walked most of the places they needed to get to. I was asking my, some person in my class today, they have some people in here who walk every day, you know, what a fantastic discipline. They say to keep their bodies fit, supple. Some people say supple. How fast do you walk? How many, what's your mile, how much miles do you walk a day? In your regular walking, how much miles would you cover in an hour? Depends on destination, recent casual walk. Some people speed walk. It is said that if you take the, from Tiberias to Jerusalem, you take a direct walk, it's probably over 70 miles. That's the nearest point. So, when they said, We're going to walk up to Jerusalem, go up to the feast, it's a good walk. Doesn't matter if you had bunions, corn, (laughs) or any other kind of things growing on your toe. That's the distance, a long walk. Nonetheless, the disciples. These are members his brothers are the ones who are saying to him that you must go so you can make yourself more popular. No, my time is not yet. But Jesus walked out. So when he got in the middle of the week, he started preaching publicly. By the end of the week, he now offers this invitation. Come, if you're thirsty. Using what's taking place to focus his message. Come to him and drink. You and I, most of you, have drunk from him, from that well. I think, as a result of that, we can be ready to praise Him at any time. This is what the Psalm said, the Psalmist said in 113 Psalm, verse 1 through 9. I want us to read it together. I'm going to read the first verse but with your participation. I'd like for you to read the second. I read the first, second, alternatively or responsively. And then when we get to verse 9, I wish for you to read it with me together. All right? The first verse. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servant of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, from the time and forth and evermore. From the rising of the sun to, the set, to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high of all the nations, and is glory of all the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high? He raised the poor. <laughs> you all, I didn't understand that. <laughs> to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. Of make her of Praise, Praise the Lord. Now you know. Even though some of you read that, you're only doing that because you've been kind to me. I say read. Some of you, I ain't calling no name over there and there and there and up there. Some of you all didn't read. It isn't because you couldn't see it. You just decided, I'm going to read to myself. But that's fine. What I'm saying is the words that you said, saying it does not necessarily mean that it was authentically praising the Lord. That's a very personal thing. You have to come to the point where you recognize that, God, I see you for who you are. I recognize what you've done for me. You are indeed my... Quench, what do you call that? Quench, my quencher of my thirst. (laughs) You provided what I need, and as a result of that, I said thanks. And that's why I said earlier from the old school: when somebody gives you something, you you said thanks in anticipation of even getting it. But when you reach for it, you said thank you. We have so much to be thankful for, so much beyond the basic. Entrance into the family of God. Salvation. When you think about what Jesus did. Where he came from. He didn't have to do that. What you think would have happened had he not come. Had he not died. Did not offer himself. Did not offer the drink. Where will you and I be? When I think about his love. What he's done for me. When I think about the import of the invitation. I am compelled to praise the Lord. My invitation to you, my brothers and my sisters today, those of you who have already drank from this well, who have the river of living water flowing in your belly, let it come out. Share it with those around you who are thirsty and don't know it. There's a lot of poor substitute out there. People are drinking things, but it does not satisfy. It does not quench your thirst because it's designed, the thirst was created because of that part of you that God placed in you that only he can fill. The spiritual hypothalamus is saying to you, you need God. He's offering you what you need. Accept him today before it's too late. You wouldn't want to die of thirst, would you? I heard it's a horrible form of death. But we won't have to die without Christ. Let's pray with me. Our Father, thank you today Thank you for the incredible gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and thank you by extension for the incredible offer that he's offered to us today. If anyone thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Whosoever believes in me, just as the scripture said, out of his belly should flow rivers of living water. Lord, thank you for such living water. Now I pray, Lord, that we will leave this place prepared to diffuse that living water to the context and an environment that you provide for us. In Jesus' name, Amen.